You can do anything, Lauren. Anything. My dad's calloused hands gripped my shoulders and his ice blue eyes forced mine open wider with their intensity. You hear me? I tried not to blink. I was eight. They're just scared of you. They know you can beat them. They don't want to lose to a girl, but too fucking bad. You go back and tell them you're playing, and if they give you shit, you kick them right in the balls and drag them down here by the ear, and I'll take care of the rest. He dusted his hands together like he was about to take care of business and added a conspiratorial wink. It was the right mix of empowering and absurd, loosening the knot in my throat and making me smile, just as he intended. Frank Fleshman seemed to speak in all caps. He didn't turn the dial down on his personality or language or anything, really, for someone else's comfort. He was the kind of dad who wanted sons, but he got two daughters and refused to adjust his parenting plan. Jesus, Frank, my mom would reply in these situations, followed by a gentle plea for peaceful resolution. But Joyce's shy kindness had a hard time being heard over the boom of Frank's charisma or the apparent simplicity of his solutions. So I kicked the neighborhood boys in the balls, and then they let me play. My world was different from my mom's in a million ways, but the one made apparent to me first was the central role of sports. The first women's NCAA championships in track and field were held in 1981, three months before I was born. Technically, my mom's time in high school overlapped with the passing of Title IX, but its promise of equal access for women and girls in sports took time to materialize. In 1971, the year before Title IX was passed, fewer than 300,000 girls played high school sports, compared to 3.6 million boys, and my mom never met one. She did love playing ping pong in PE class, and she had a deadly curve, according to my dad, whom she started dating in middle school. I saw it in action a couple times at Super Bowl parties, but she was oddly shy about it, rarely playing a full game. She didn't seem to know how to claim athletic movement as her own. My mom would have been good at sports. Dad, too, for that matter. He was too busy getting in fights and smoking weed in high school, but I could tell Dad was athletic because he worked manual labor building sets as a prop maker, and I saw him move his body powerfully all the time. My mom's body was directed to household tasks with a side of gardening until the one time I convinced her to go for a run with me in high school. As she popped powerfully off her midfoot and lifted her knees, I almost gasped. I recognized her distinct stride as my own. Running is hard, and with no base fitness, she couldn't run for longer than a couple minutes, but I never looked at her body the same way again. Like millions of women, she carried a treasure chest of undiscovered athletic potential. My mom's world and mine were still different, even living under the same roof. While the girl power revolution of the 1990s was swirling all around, telling girls we could have it all if we worked hard, my mom's daily reality was frozen in the 1950s. In our home, dad got the best chair, the first serving, and the last word. He told his daughters not to take shit from anyone, and then turned around and treated my mom to large helpings of his own. He represented a kind of power hypothetically available to my sister Lindsay and me, but not to my mom. It would have been confusing regardless, but his alcohol abuse created a terrifying gulf between what he said and how he behaved. Every single night, we had family dinner together around the table cooked by my mom. Most nights were fine, great even, full of compliments to the chef, questions about our day at school, and entertaining stories about the cast and crew of whatever his latest movie set was. 
but the possibility of an explosion always lurked, especially when he had been laid off, which happened frequently in the entertainment industry. If the Bud Light hit just right on the wrong day, he could singe any one of us to a crisp with a bolt of lightning. Outside of the occasional spanking or head flick, I have only one memory of physical violence, when he ripped me out of my dining chair by the armpit while I was mid-bite and threw me across the living room for eating my spaghetti like a fucking pig. I landed on my side on the sofa, still holding my fork, and curled into a ball in the far corner. My arm socket throbbing, I watched him puff up like a silverback gorilla while my mom screamed at him to stop. I watched as she laid down the only ultimatum he ever took seriously, one delivered with a cold fury I never saw in her again. 